specify that I do not have children. Um, so parents, a lot of times will hear this, be like, I have time. It's like, I don't have kids. <laughs> so it does so help just a lot. Caveat. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Grow Your Side Hustle podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to grow their side business into a second stream of income or into their full-time gig. I'm your host, Jennifer Roland Cadiente. Today, we're joined by Kristen McTiernan, who works a day job in the public sector doing technical writing and editing and writes novels and runs an editing business as her side hustle. Hi there, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Great. So I would like to start by asking you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I am Kristen McTiernan. I do the majority of my business under the moniker, the nonsense free editor. And um, I offer uh, line editing and um, developmental editing for novels. I used to do dissertations, but not so much anymore because mm, they're less fun. Um, and now I've also gotten into ghost writing um, as well as when I have time doing my own novel writing. <laughs> right. That's always the trick with, with our own novel writing, isn't it? Yes. It always takes the back burner. <laughs> Yep. I know. I guess when we all reach the Stephen King levels of, you know, income, then we don't need to do any of this other side work. <laughs> right. I can, I can only envy that because even when I, I feel know. like successful self-help officer uh, authors, they always have a class or they always have like right. a planner or something. So it's like, it's like that you never hit that Stephen King level. Right. <laughs> nope. Nope. But I mean, you know, most traditionally published Novelists also don't hit the Stephen King level. Right. So it's, you know, it's a tough business. So how did you get into writing and editing? Well, it started off as kind of like, a, oh, you know, um, I got married in, uh, when did I get married? It was 2009. <laughs> and uh, my my husband brought some credit card debt and I brought credit card debt. And I was like, well, you know, we want to buy a house someday. I'll, I'll just get this little side gig and we'll use that only for, um, for paying off debt and it'll just be a temporary thing and then we'll be done. And what I found was I really liked it because without having the side gig, I'm just going to watch TV. I am not a self-motivated person. Like I'm going to fix my house. No, I'm not. I'm going to sit there like right. a slug. So <laughs> I could sit there like a slug, but also do something that I felt productive at. So right. I kept going at it and it was, um, it was with uh, a company called first editing. So when you work with an agency, it's a lot less money. <laughs> yeah. um, I got 30%, I think of what the client paid. Not great. And I did that for like 10 years. And then finally um, I got a really difficult client and they were trying to say, I, you know, I, I didn't have the option of not working with them. I'm like, I, I kind of do. And I think we're done here. Right. So um, <laughs> I went off on my own <laughs> and I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy having done that. It, it really worked out well for me. I have less time now. I still have my day job, but um, you know, I'm, I'm much happier. Right. So let's talk a little bit about your day job because it is very related to what you're doing in your side hustles. Right. Um, like a lot of English majors, you know, I went <laughs> to college thinking I'm going to be a teacher and right. I did my, uh, I did my student teaching and it was for, for high school at the high school level. And I was like, Nope, Nope, this is not what I want to do at all. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't even have like any, like terrible experience. I just saw that. Right. I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the English and the literature and, and your kids 
aren't except for like no. five of them. Right. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, this is right. not for me. So I looked around, I had to live with my parents for um, about a year and work just like receptionist jobs. It was, it was terrible. I am not customer service oriented, <laughs> but um, I, I looked around, what can I do with an English degree? And I found federal employment as a technical editor. And I was working on um, flight manuals at that time. And, you know, I think it was 30 grand a year. It was very low level, but that worked out well for me. And then I stayed in the federal service um, for about 10 years. And then we moved and I didn't have a job lined up. And I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll see what I get. And then I went back into the private sector for a while. But regardless of what I was doing, it was always writing, editing, you know, usually technical documents. Um, and then as a side hustle, I got to have my creative time. Right. It's how though... Um, do you keep from getting bored with, with all of the writing and editing? Like, I mean, you know, you're working well more than 40 hours a week to have a day job and a side hustle. And that's a lot of brain taxing that you're doing. It really is. And so the, the thing, and I, and I do want to specify that I do not have children. Um, so <laughs> parents, a lot of times will hear this, be like, how do you have time? It's like, I don't have kids. <laughs> so it does help so a lot. Caveat. <laughs> Um, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll have these chunks of time where it's like, okay, you know, I've got, uh, meetings in the morning and the meetings are what drain me. I'm, I'm yeah. an introvert. And so I, I just sit you. there and talk, it's like, oh my God. And so if, after I do something draining, I will just like veg, um, I have a dog. And so like, I'll, I'll go outside, going outside really helps in terms of resetting and, and reforming yeah. your brain out of mush. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, a lot of times I'll just watch something like mind numbing. Like I watch a lot of YouTube versus where like an actual TV show, you have to follow the plot and pay attention. That's, that's like a weekend luxury. Um, uh-huh. I just kind of zone out in front of the TV for, for nonsense. And that's how I recover. And then I come back for my next session. Like, okay, you know, it's one o'clock. What, who, who am I working on now? You know, that's kind of how I do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what are your favorite YouTube mind numbing <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, Well, I do listen to a few political podcasts, so I won't say what those are. So I don't upset anybody. But um, I do like the author Sarah Cannon. Um, She has two Uh separate channels, uh, one for like more fans of her books. Um, And then she has the heart breathings channel, which I love because I'm a planner enthusiast. And then of course, she also talks about writing and things like that. And she just has a really uh, great energy. Um, I follow a couple of other um, planner creators, uh, Cindy Gunter Ball. Doe, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Okay. She used to be called Llama Letters. Um, and I like okay. watching creativity because they're much more artistic yeah. than I am. <laughs> yes. I know. I enjoy those too, because it is so different than mm. the writing and the editing. And, and it really does help, you know, just shift your brain a little bit so that mm-hmm. you can get some energy back. Definitely. And my favorite in terms of like writing craft has to be Hello Future Me. He's uh, a fellow from New oh. Zealand he's done just wonderful, like genre analysis and breaking down why things work and kind of like the closer look. I don't know if you've heard of Uh him. Those two are just fabulous. They're great. (laughs) They sound really good. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, are you doing your day job at home then? Yes. um, I do work at home. So I got my first um, work at home job. um, When was it? I'm going to say 24. 14. Um, I shifted, um, I was still in the private sector. I was working for, um, the NAIC and then I shifted to a company called Lexpole, which 
uh, policy for law enforcement nationwide. And then we tailor depending on what their local laws are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all, all online. So um, I worked with uh, flex jobs because um, back then, you know, it, it, it was hard right. to get work at home jobs. A lot of them were yeah. scams um, and yeah. flex jobs vetted them for you. And I found Lexapol and it was so great. I'm like, I don't have to get up at six o'clock in the morning and put on makeup that I don't want to wear and put on yeah. clothes and all this stuff. And it just took so much time and you don't realize how much time right. it takes. Whereas if you work at home, I wear one of three hoodies every day. <laughs> <laughs> I never put on people clothes unless I leave the house. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I hear you on that. And it really, you know, you, when you're just in that routine of getting up, getting ready, getting in the car, you don't think about the amount of time. Mm-hmm. that it takes. But I know my outside of the house job, it was an, an hour drive each way. And so, you know, I did gain back a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first started working at home, let's just say I didn't use that time very productively, mm-hmm. but I feel like it was, I, I needed that transition <laughs> to just do Definitely. nothing with that extra And it hours. was like my reading dropped off a cliff when I started yes. working at home because it was all audiobooks in the car. Yep. And then I was home and I'm like, well, I guess I could read an actual book, like a civilized person, I know. (laughs) (laughs) but it took a while to get back into that instead of always having it done in the car. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things though, that I think is a little bit challenging is structuring your day job versus your side job when they both happen in the same place. How do you make that work? Um, what I do is I, I have two different computers and that really helps. And so, um, I do keep, um, a planner cause I'm a planner nerd and I basically yeah. kind of color code it. So okay. most of the time, you know, that eight hour block of day job, I'm going to say only about four or five of that is actual taken up with day job stuff. Don't tell my day job. Um, <laughs> cause you know, well, hopefully no one's listening, <laughs> right? It, it just doesn't take that much time. You know, I'll have my meetings right. and then I'll have my actual work to do, but then there's like two or three hours that I'm like, you know, I could get mm-hmm. on LinkedIn learning and do training, or I could do something productive or right. a side hustle. And I'll just swap out the computer usually with a break in between to kind of clear my mind. I'll take the dog out or I'll have a snack or something like that. Um, and also when I'm working on my side hustle, another thing I use YouTube for is I'll put it on one of those ambient music channels. Yes. Uh, cause if anything with words is happening, it really right. takes me out of that. So just having those ambient sounds really, really is mm-hmm. helpful in getting me in that right mindset. Yeah. I like to do that too. And I also subscribe to focus at will, mm-hmm. which is an ambient sounds or music service. And it's, that's something that I find really helpful for when I need to be fast. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you're like, I got to get this thing done and you can, you can have these really high, high frequency, you know, really pounding beats that, that just keep you going, but there are no words. Mm-hmm. So you're not distracted. A lot oh, that's of times. Nice. I didn't think yeah. about getting something with like a, a beat yeah. to make you go yeah. faster. I should try that. Yeah. And it also, you know, they've got the coffee shop sounds, which I found really helpful because, um, you know, here in Oregon, we couldn't go to the coffee shop for a very long time. Right. (laughs) And even with masks, it was just not, we were not allowed Um, to, to dine out. So, you know, that also I think is really helpful in being able to get that creative brain working again. 
Definitely. Yeah. And, and I've never been like, Oh, my sister um, has been working remotely for a long time. She's an extrovert and she, she can't concentrate if it's too quiet. And so she almost universally works at a coffee shop. And for me, when the pandemic happened, I'm such an introvert. I was actually (laughs) surprised at how much I missed my once weekly going to Panera. I'm like, Oh, the reason I I do it so successfully being by myself is because I have that one hour or two hours a week where I'm among the people you took that away. And it was like, Oh, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think that we fared a lot better than the Mm -hmm. average extrovert, but it still was a shift. Yeah, it really was. And then the vibe was so off. I remember that first trip to the grocery store I took and, oh, you were like afraid to touch anything and put it back. And oh, it was terrible. (laughs) I went home and cried. And my husband was like, you're crying because the vibe is off. I'm like, you don't understand. (laughs) I know the vibe is very, very important. Yes. To we creative types. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I wanted to go back to the day job. You know, I think that if you look at the average creative person at a day job, even if they're in the office, I mean, the, there's the internet surfing and the things that you have to do to make that brain break. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really very common that we're not, you know, eight hours working solid. <laughs> I would be surprised. I mean, even for like extroverted people, I think it just depends yeah. how you break it up with because extroverted people do the desk hopping thing. Like, yes. Hey, what are you working on? Which yep. I hate, <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> but like, that's how they break it up. Whereas we were like, okay, that's two hours of work. I'm going to go watch, you know, this guy put together a, <laughs> an electronic board or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, you said that you use your planner to, to keep you know, to keep things really relatively regimented. But what do you do when you get those non-work vibes during the day or the work vibes at night when you're supposed to be editing for someone else? That does happen. And usually if I get thrown off kilter, it's for one of two things. One, it's like, I don't want to say burnout, but kind of like, I'm just so sick of work. I need a break. Yeah. Um, or um, I do get migraines usually related to the weather. Um, and I live in Kansas. So our weather is wild, fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so if, if there comes a time where it's like, oh, I had three hours of working on this particular client um, and that's not going to happen tonight. So either one of two right. things, um, I, I will really try not to push back due dates. Um, mm-hmm. I hate to do that. Um, but if it has to happen, it has to happen. Right. I did have to do it most recently with a ghostwriting client. Cause I I've been moving and I had 20 days to produce uh, 16,000 original words for him. And I'm like, this is not going to happen. And so luckily mm-hmm. he was very understanding. Um, or alternatively, if some work just has to get done, I'll do a more low effort. So for me, if I'm like doing um, a line edit of an already written novel, that's, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's much, right. much easier than composing original text. And so I'll look at yes. what I have to do. It's like, okay, I can't just not work. What is the most, the, the least amount of mental energy task that I have? Okay, I'll do that. And so mm-hmm. it's just, it's a balancing act of, of, do I have the time to screw off today? And if not, <laughs> okay, what's the easiest thing I can work on, you know? Right, right. So you have been doing this for quite a while. Have you had periods of, of like real burnout? Yes. Um, so I'm going to say last year. Um, and that's about the time that I quit first editing. Um, okay. You know, just 
because you can't pick your clients when you're working with an agency. Right. Like you, you, if you get a sample request, you have to do it. Um, and if that client decides to pick up an order, you have to do it. You can't say, oh, I'm this person is a, a genuinely terrible writer and should never be writing anything and they shouldn't be paying for services. And I don't want to, you can't do that. And so I would just be back to back, you know, editing these God awful memoirs or in worse, like, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to call somebody's writing offensive, but it was just like, there are some genres that I didn't like and didn't want to do, and I'd have to do them. And it was just very, very wearing. And so even Uh though I had the time and I didn't have a migraine and I had nothing going on, I'm just like staring at my computer. Like, I don't want to do it. And, and that was, that was really hard. And so I, I did have to take breaks. And then ultimately I talked to my administrator. I was like, I look this, these are the genres I'm not doing anymore, or these are the type of clients that I'm not doing anymore. It's like, just, I can't, you have to put those limits in. Right. Yeah. So, um, have you found that you've been able to really keep those limits up now that you are outside of an agency? Now that I'm doing it myself. Yes. Because I always, I offer a free sample, like I'm, Oh, this is for you. So, you know, I'm not a scammer, but really it's kind of a two way thing because I want to make sure that you're not writing any, you know, weirdness that's going to rub me the wrong way. Um, Or if you just really, at this point in your career, you just shouldn't be paying for services at all. Um, And there are some people like that. And I don't want to take your money um, and have it go to waste because there's, there's only so much an editor can do. Um, It's like, look, you need to join a critique group or something, you know, before you come to me. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to understand is you know, certainly we want to be making money with our side hustle. That's, you know, that's not the entire point, but it's a lot of the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it can be so scary sometimes to say, you know, no, we should not be working together. No, I don't want your money. Right. And one thing that I had to learn for myself, and this is, this is exclusively for dissertation writers. I don't want to make it seem like it's for everybody. Anytime a dissertation author asked me for a discount on my services, 100% of the time, they were a problem client every single time. Now for other genres, that's not quite the case because especially with developmental editing, that can be really pricey. And so what I've done, it's like, okay, well, let's do a few words at a time rather than the whole thing. Let's work with your budget. And that doesn't say anything about what kind of a client they are, but if it's a dissertation Mm -hmm. author, and I don't know why, but 100% of the time, if they asked for a discount, they were going to be a problem. And so for me, when they ask, Hey, you know, can you do better on the price? It's like, Nope. And as a matter of fact, my schedule is filled up. Sorry. Um, and it just took me a while to realize you can, you can say no to money because, you know, for this amount of money you're going to be getting, is it worth the hours and hours you're going to have to sit there texting them and, you know, dealing with their nitpicking and their nonsense. Well, my professor says, it's like, look, it's not worth it. Um, right. And so you, you learn that as you go along, like, and your, your, you know, red flags go up when, when you see it's like, okay, I think you might be a problem. And mm-hmm. then it's okay to say no to those people just right off the bat. Um, better that than, you know, spend months dealing with someone who just, ugh. right. And that experience can help you really understand who your ideal client is. Definitely. You know, you, we all go into these businesses with an idea of who we think our ideal client is, Mm -hmm. but, you know, especially when you're starting out, when you take those jobs that may not be the ideal client, 
you may find your actual ideal clients right? and you find the absolute not ideal. Right. Cause when I started ghostwriting, I was so excited. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be doing novels all the time for other people. But what I found was with very few exceptions, I'm doing one right now, but most of the time my ideal client for a ghostwriting is not a novelist because most people don't make money off of their one novel right. at all. And the people who want you to do that for them, it's not a good idea and they don't know what they're doing. And they're right. It's just very odd. The person that I want to work with as a ghostwriter is the nonfiction person with an existing platform. And the book is basically mm-hmm. just for them, for their real business. Right. That's the ideal client, but I didn't know that going in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until yeah. I've done it a couple of times. I'm like, Oh, okay. I see. I see where the <laughs> ROI comes in. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, there are novelists who, um, you know, have been successful and they want to say, keep that one pen name going while they go do the things they really want to write about. And so that's, that is right. where a mm-hmm. novelist ghostwriting situation can work mm-hmm. financially. Yeah, and that's, and that's who I'm working with now is a very yeah. prolific author. Um, and they have this existing platform and they know they're going to make their money back. So I don't have right. any hesitation working with this person, but most of the ghostwriting work I do that, you know, I'm, I'm going to take you on. It's mostly nonfiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really, you, you do have to go where the money is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and where you can feel good about it. Cause I did make a video yes. about this one guy he hired, he spent $20,000 on a ghostwriter and they sent me the, the manuscript that they had come back with to edit. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the most unreadable tribe I've ever seen. And that's really saying something with my, right. You know, experience. So yeah. ooh, that, that that's gotta hurt. <laughs> Yeah, that and uh, that's such a such a cautionary tale because mm-hmm. that's a lot of money. Yeah, for most definitely. of us. I mean, there are some people that's nothing, but that's right. not not to him. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so if someone is thinking about, um, you know, starting up an editing business on the side, what should they be thinking about? Um, definitely you want to have an existing body of work that you can show, um, Mm -hmm. for, if you're doing like actual editing, um, always offer a free sample. My rule of thumb is I will edit up to 1500 words for you for free. Um, Mm -hmm. because a sample of someone else's edited work, maybe that's helpful, but maybe it's not depending on the genre. And so even though it's a little extra work for you up front, I always do a free sample because that way they can mm-hmm. see what they're working with and you can see what you're working with. Yeah. Um, so about to. how much do you do as a free sample? Like three um, pages, 10 pages? Yeah. It how depends many words? on the genre. So okay. uh, for 1500 words, uh, if it's nonfiction, I'm not going to do a developmental edit for nonfiction. That's just, they don't need it yeah. most of the time. No. So that narrows it down. But then when I get a novel, I'll ask them up front. I'm like, okay, how much work have you done on this? Um, mm-hmm. And usually they submit the beginning of the book, which is great. Right. That's usually where like the big yeah. you know, issues are. Um, and I'll just do everything that I can think to do. And then I'll make a recommendation. Be like, you know, it looks mm-hmm. like this is really clean. Let's just do a line edit. Or, oh, you know, I, I didn't even know where, where this was set until <laughs> the, the fifth page. So how about a developmental edit? And then I'll give them a price for each service and let them make the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the beginning is the most important part of that novel because if that's not good no one's going to get to the end exactly you've got those small attention spans it's like look this really needs to pop and you're describing the weather so let's work on this (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. Okay. So um, I do want to talk a little bit more about the books that you write mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I like to read books. Lots of people like to read books. Yes. But <laughs> where can we get those? So what, what do you uh, do? Well, I'm wide on my time travel uh, series, which is the Mason Timeline Trilogy. Oh, only two of the three are out. Um, those are wide. So those are available wherever you want to get books, uh, including Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Now, my Siren Song series, which is my uh, modern paranormal mystery series, that is an Amazon exclusive and it is um, in Kindle Unlimited. So if you okay. are already a subscriber to that, you can read those for free mm-hmm. um, and there are three of those books uh plus an accompanying no the accompanying short stories with the other one never mind okay <laughs> okay and straight. yeah so um as far as like if you were to break down a proportion say of your income what's going to come from your day job what from the editing and what from the fiction writing uh, well, since going off on my own, um, uh-huh. I would say that um, my editing has come up to about maybe 40%. It's come up um, a lot. And then nice. I would say, you know, the, and then another, I'm not trying to do math here. Um, <laughs> I know, sorry. 50% <laughs> is my day job. Now uh-huh. with my books, honestly, I don't make a lot of money with them. Right. And it's very like I can always tell when somebody reads it enjoys it and then they like go on TikTok or whatever um because then I'll be like oh I got five sales today and then you know (laughs) it'll be weeks with nothing so Uh it's like it's very up and down with my book sales yeah yeah and it I think it's always that way it's so unpredictable yeah and and you know I don't I don't do any marketing I don't I don't put a whole lot of effort into it so I I feel like (laughs) if I did it would be better but I don't so right yeah. Well, I mean, there are only so many hours in the day. Definitely. And, and that's so. what I'm bumping up against. So it's just like uh, the idea yeah. of like Facebook ads. And, and honestly, <laughs> advertising is not like a lot of the times with writing jobs are like, oh, you know, come and write copy and do SEO. I mm-hmm. suck at it. I suck. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's all writing is not equal. So, it, you know, I'm not <laughs> great at that. So it's like, all right, I'm just going to work to my strengths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what you have to do or else you're just going to be unhappy. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with your editing marketing, speaking of marketing, do you consider your YouTube channel to be your main marketing for your editing? Yeah. Uh, YouTube made a really big difference because when looking at it, I was like, well, you know, because I don't really respond to like Facebook ads or Instagram mm-hmm. ads unless they're like really visually beautiful, like for a, a physical product. And uh-huh. I feel like probably a lot of other people um, in my desired market are the same way. Uh, the marketing that I respond to is something more long form where I'm, I'm connecting with the person. So that's why I started the YouTube channels. Like, all right. And also there was really only one other editor I could find. Like she wasn't right. a booktuber. She was, you know, an editor and her name is Ellen yeah. Rock and she's also a ginger. So <laughs> people get us mixed up all the time. I'm like, I How think funny. she's 10 years younger than me. So <laughs> yeah, that probably offends her more than me. Um, but yeah, I, I got in there and, and I've had, you know, very good success. Um, and you know, I've, I think I'm right at a hundred videos. Um, and there's about five or six of them that have just done really well. And that's where the majority of my, uh, editing traffic comes from, um, mm-hmm. and more videos. And then, um, more, one of my more recent ones, how to structure a chapter that's been really well received. Um, yeah. so yeah, I've been getting a lot of inquiries from those. Cool. That's very fun. 
And, um, you know, it always seems like you're having fun doing the YouTube videos, you know, that you enjoy that. And that's another important thing, like, because there are only so many hours in the day, you should enjoy the marketing that you're doing. Right. And I feel like a lot of people, um, when they think about YouTube, they think of it in very binary terms. Like, well, if I'm going to do it, I want to be a full-time content creator. It's like, do you? Because (laughs) I just now got monetized and I've, I've made a whopping $60 from (laughs) my YouTube channel, but in the two years it's been up, I've made thousands of dollars from people who have come to me and given me their, their business. And so it's like, if you're a service provider, that's important. It's not so important yeah. that you make money off the actual YouTube videos. I mean, yeah, right. they'll take the $60 and get yeah. some frozen yogurt, but that's not, that's not its value. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's the same mindset as the people that are coming to you to ghostwrite their nonfiction books, right? They don't intend to make money off that book, mm-hmm. but you know, it's all about, but they will be making money of off of their speaking engagements or, yeah. you know, uh, one of them is running for office and he's going to have that book be like, okay, here's my whole platform and why, you know, you should in, enjoy who I am as a person. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, um, the other thing I want to talk about with outsourcing, are you outsourcing any of your, your business related tasks? Not right now, but I am very seriously <laughs> just about considering at that point. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> video editing is something I definitely would like to outsource in the future. And then, I'd have to look into how, cause I don't actually understand how a virtual assistant would work, but I really like the idea that there would be someone who could answer the, the inquiries I get on Fiverr. So I don't uh-huh. have to stop what I'm doing and, and reply to the text, um, right. you know, things like that and just kind of manage my calendar for me. So that is definitely something that I am interested in because, you know, I don't know about everybody else, but when my phone's like pinging all the time, it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm so stressed out. It's it can yes. be very, you know, stressful. <laughs> so that is something I would like to do in the future. I know I keep the sound off on my phone because I just find it so intrusive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. And I, I would love to keep it off, but I'm like, Oh, well, if I miss it. And then of course my husband and I are actually living separately for work. Um, and I don't want to miss his phone calls. Right. <laughs> it's just like, I will endure the pinging. <laughs> yeah. 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 When it's really, really bad, I will not bad. When I'm really bad, busy and need to focus, I will put a, you know, an autoresponder on my email Mm -hmm. or, you know, you can do those on your, on your phone. Like you pretend you're driving and send that text. (laughs) Yeah. I do that sometimes. It's like, I'm driving. I'll get back to you in just a second. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely driving. Of course, my husband would be like, you don't drive. You're not. You can see right through that. Yeah. He's like, is this an SOS? What is this? (laughs) Okay. So as you, you know, as you think about managing your day job and your side hustles, do you have any other advice for people who are thinking about going into something, you know, creative as their side hustle? Well, for me, and this might not be good advice for everybody, but if you can uh, pick your day job carefully. So there is nothing worse than having a day job that just saps your whole energy. And uh, what I've, what I've found is that it's, it's very easy to have a side hustle and rewarding, even, even though you're working very long hours, it doesn't feel like work. Um, if you have the right day job, if you don't have the right day job, or you, you don't have the power to kind of set those boundaries. Cause you know, I'm at a place in my career where I'm not really obliged to put up with anybody's crap, but (laughs) if you're younger and if you're lower on the totem pole, 
you kind of have to put up with things. And so it's like, mm-hmm. if you can, to the extent that you can, you know, if, if that means, you know, maybe taking a slightly lower paying thing, but it's like, you have much more freedom and you're working for a different manager, yeah. definitely try to maneuver yourself into a day job that does not like suck your soul out of your body and thus facilitating you to have that, you know, lucrative side hustle that mm-hmm. just makes you feel like you're alive, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So other than just, you know, hitting that Stephen King level of income from your books, mm-hmm. do you see a point where you might, your side hustle might become your main hustle? That is tough. And, and it's because I'm a federal employee and from being in the private sector and then going back to the federal system and seeing the difference in health insurance. Yeah. I don't know if I could give up that health insurance <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh-huh. It's just like, you mean I can just go to the hospital, hand them my card and never hear another thing about it? Oh, that is yeah. the dream. <laughs> it is the dream. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I don't know if I could ever give that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you've got Stephen King money, I guess. Oh yeah, Stephen King money that is just like, <laughs> yes, just send an itemized bill to my assistant. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, let's close up by letting people know where they can find you online. Uh, depending on what you're interested in, if you are interested in reading my books um, or signing up for my newsletter, you can find me at kristinmctiernan.com, all one word. Um, or if you're interested in editing or ghostwriting services, uh, you can find me at nonsensefreeeditor.com. All right. And our top takeaways from today's call, be flexible for your energy. Sometimes you won't have the opportunity to be able to move your work around when you're not feeling well, but whenever you can, or when you can focus on doing something that is a little bit less mentally taxing, do that to keep your energy levels up. And also on energy, pick your day job carefully. You want a day job that will allow you the energy to focus on your side hustle when you're not in the office. So sometimes that may mean taking on a position that has less responsibility or, you know, offers less pay, but gives you more room to maneuver around and feel good about yourself. Thanks so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any of our future episodes with other side hustlers and some experts to help you deal with some of those small and large issues that come up when you're running a side hustle. I'd also love it if you could share this episode with any of your friends that you think would be interested and leave a review and a rating in your podcast app. See you next week.